for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. We are live and amplified. So let's get ready to podcast. Fire it up. Welcome, everybody, to another live and amplified livecast. I'm your host, Tom Quiet, and I'm coming back at you live from Waco, Texas. And we have another very special guest with us here this morning. We have Aurelia. You're from Tennessee. Um, go, let's have you introduce yourself. Uh, what's, uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, uh, thank you for having me on here. I um, actually was born and uh, raised in Paris and moved to Nashville, Tennessee to pursue music when I was about 17 and then uh, started for a band called Aurelia and um, uh, recorded and released a new album this past December and just been trying to play some gigs and uh, have a good time. Gotcha. Um, since and you're currently based out of Nashville or technically Murfreesboro, I think, or are you just straight in Nashville? Just, uh, just straight in Nashville, but I do play gigs in uh, Murfreesboro a lot. Okay. Um, and since since Nashville is kind of a uh, in been in the news lately, how's everything going there after the tornado? Were you affected by it or? I, I'm, you know, it luckily it passed us, you know, it was uh, north of us, but, you know, a lot of people were affected and, uh, you know, we, um, trying to help, we're trying to help as much as we can. And, uh, the community has just been absolutely incredible with helping each other out and trying to find different ways to make sure that everything is safe. Awesome. Yeah. We, uh, when I heard the news, uh, we started figuring out a way that we, my team and I could help and mm -hmm. without being there. So we decided to release a compilation album with musicians that we've worked with that are currently in Nashville. They may not necessarily be from Nashville, but they currently live there. Um, cool. Yeah. And uh, like, I mean, I, it was one of those things where I wasn't quite sure how well it would go over. I wasn't sure if we'd raise thousands of dollars or ten dollars mm -hmm. but right now we're sitting at about 200 bucks so i'm like it, it i'm happy with it yeah i mean honestly and every bit counts you know yeah. i mean it's it's you know just the fact that you you know try to help you know even from where you're at you know is is absolutely amazing and i know people are going to be very thankful for that so yeah that's really great yeah and you know like i mean it's still it's going to be on in the news cycle for a while because it was a pretty big tornado that came through so it's going to be on top of everybody's minds for a while so we're definitely not giving up or anything yeah so. no, i mean you know it's it definitely i mean we're we're so grateful that we didn't get hit with the worst where we were at and you know it's just we i've, I've visited some friends that you know, had their power uh, out and, but, you know, they weren't, uh, their house was fine, but just driving to where they were living and just seeing, you know, how it has affected others. It's just, you know, it's, it's incredible. I, I mean, I still can't believe that it's actually happened. And so just seeing the national community just going out and trying to help and helping and just being incredibly supportive of each other has just been uh, such a, I mean, it's it's been amazing just to see everyone get together and help each other out. Yeah, yeah, it, that's for sure. I mean, I I go back to the first the morning after it happened, I was just kind of looking online at to see because for me, I'm very interested in tornadoes. Like one of my things as a kid when I was growing up was I wanted to be uh, I wanted to study tornadoes. Yeah. <laughs> And so, like, when I saw that, I just, in my head, I was looking for, like, all the data about the tornado, and 
So I was looking through YouTube and I saw this uh, newscast of, I think it was News Channel 5 in mm -hmm. Nashville there. And one of their reporters was, it was like, it had to be shortly after it hit because he was walking down the middle of the street and there were all these people helping each other rebuild because he was walking down like one of the business districts, I guess it was what it would be considered. Mm -hmm. He's walking right down the road and all these people were helping each other like blockade the windows from torn debris that got blown through or anything of that nature. And it was like, oh, wow, that's absolutely amazing. Yeah, no, it's it's been I mean, just I mean, I was I was talking to someone uh, the other day about how, you know, she was trying to apply to volunteer online and the site had actually crashed because of how many people were trying to apply to help and so it's just it's it's just really great to see everyone just trying to do their part and trying to help out as much as they can so you know it, it's been really on, on that side it's been really great to just see that Nashville has stepped up yeah absolutely um and how long have you been in Nashville uh, so I moved here in 2010 to go to Belmont University uh, to study music and music business. And so I've been here for almost 10 years. So okay. been a good minute. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Um, and what got you interested in music originally? So when I was little, I um, my mom's side of the family was really artistic. My uh, mom you know, loved to write poetry. She played piano and then my grandfather was an actor. And then, you know, we had other family members that played instruments and painted. And so I was really surrounded a lot by the arts. And so you know, as I kind of tried to look at all the possibilities between acting and music and everything, you know, music is really what spoke to me and especially uh, writing. And so I started uh, taking piano lessons and singing lessons and writing. And then I wrote my first song when I was uh, 12 years old and then kind of, you know, just kept going with it. You know, I was, I felt, I've always felt really lucky that I've kind of known from being a child that this is what I want to do. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it had, it definitely a big part had to do with the environment that I grew up in, but also the fact that I, I really love music and I love being able to create and share it with people. Nice. Um, do you remember, was there a, like a first song that kind of hooked you? Like, do you remember that first song that you heard? Oh man, um, so <laughs> I, uh, my mom is a huge Led Zeppelin fan and I know that her favorite song was uh, Going to California. And, you know, I remember her playing that and, you know, just absolutely just falling in love with the rock world in general. Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, that, you know, her showing me all of her music is really what brought me into wanting to do specifically rock in general. Because a lot of uh, my family was doing more on the classical or you know, just kind of in that vein. So my mom introducing me to that kind of rock genre because she was a punk rock hit when she was a kid. And so, um, you know, she talked about how she would go see Led Zeppelin or see the germs, you know, and all that. So that's kind of what I, what I grew up on. And so, yeah, I mean, going to California was definitely uh, one I remember. And I do remember her telling me that uh, she could definitely tell I wanted to be a musician when I was about, I think, two or three, where I stood on a table and just started singing. <laughs> just, I don't know what I was thinking at the time, but, you know, she said I could definitely tell you were going to do something with music after that, so. That's awesome. Uh, and so, like, we, we kind of go through a little bit of a, um, process here to learn about your creative process so what is your creative process when you sit down to write music so usually I um normally the, the way it kind of works is that I pick up a guitar or pick up uh, the piano and I just kind of just start playing around and just you know trying to you know just play melodies or 
even if I'm just, you know, playing, you know, just some cover songs or, or whatnot, you know, I'll just like kind of try and get myself in the mindset of just, you know, playing and then, you know, afterwards, if there's a melody that comes to mind, then, you know, I'll start kind of playing around with that. And then lyrics usually come right afterwards. And so I'll, um, if I start with the music, that's how I'll work. But if I start with the lyrics, usually the way that I kind of go about it is I'll just start writing, you know, not with like a specific uh, goal in mind, you know, mm -hmm. just to try and get you know, my brain going, and then usually after writing probably like two pages of, <laughs> of nonsense, I'll start finding, you know, certain words or certain phrases that kind of speak to me, and then I just kind of build from there, and then we'll just record it on my phone just to, to have some kind of copy of it, and then, you know, do that, or uh, recently I've been writing a little bit with uh, my lead guitarist, Zach, and, you know, it's that's been a cool process, too, and when I was growing up, there was um, my friend Loic that I also wrote a song with, and, you know, that kind of introduced me on that side, and so it kind of depends on whether I'm picking up the guitar first, the piano first, or whether I'm writing first and then trying to put music to it. Nice. And uh, how does the, because it's not just you, it's a band that performs live, correct? Yeah, so um, it's a full band. Um, I was incredibly lucky to have these guys uh, pop on board because I uh, wrote the music and then recorded it in Los Angeles at a studio called 11 AD with uh, my incredible producer, Alan Johannes. And they listened to the album and they loved it and i was incredibly grateful that they loved it and you know learned the material and kind of jumped on board with me and i've just you know i i feel really really incredibly lucky that i have people that believe in what i'm doing mm. that's always good to have a nice core of people that believe in you yeah no for sure i mean i you know, I mean, obviously you always have that moment or like, what if, what if people don't like what I, what I made? And, you know, you kind of, kind of go through the motions, but you know, it's just, I, I've just been incredibly, just been so lucky to be able to even perform it and share it with people and, you know, meet other artists and, you know, try and just share with each other, you know, the music that we're trying to create. And, you know, and that's really what I love about this whole process, you know, I love sharing my music, but I also love, you know, meeting other artists and hearing what they have to say and what, you know, they're trying to accomplish and, you know, and try and just build a community and help each other out. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Um, how do you and your band members push each other creatively? Well, I, um, you know, there, there are different ways. I know that for me, um, you know, I try, I try and uh, make sure that my bandmates tell me, you know, if there's anything that they think I can improve on or I can do better on, you know, they, they always joke around about when we're in practice about how they're saying, oh, well, you know, you need to turn your volume up. It's <laughs> yeah. like, you know, I'm always like, I'm pretty sure I turned my volume up last time, but, you know, they're trying to make sure that I'm not trying to hide behind the scenes because, you know, even though it's my music, sometimes I'll have moments where I kind of, you know, like, huh? You just kind of like, fall, huh? fall back a little bit and let everybody else take the. Well, it's it's not so much like, you know, them taking the reins as so much, you know, it's just I'll, I'll kind of get lost in, you know, just playing the music and, you know, I just sometimes I will, I'm not, you know, when I was growing up, I was not really much one to have like the spotlight shine on me. I always kind of, you know, try to help other people and try to you know, just share my songs, you know, but not like, you know, I wasn't one to just like run to the spotlight and just, you know, try to get the attention for myself. And so my bandmates will try and kind of like push me and be like, you know, it's okay to, to be in the spotlight and to, you know, share and just, you know, be proud and do that. So they definitely push me in that way, you know, and um, when it comes to 
my other bandmates, you know, I, th I think we just kind of keep each other in check, you know, when we're in practices and make sure that everyone's kind of on top of the songs. And, you know, we also make sure that uh, we check up on each other each time uh, just to make sure everyone's okay. And, you know, that's, you know, we also try and push each, you know, if someone else has an idea musically, you know, we try and look into it, you know, and so we try and, you know, push ourselves to be better musically, but we also try and make sure that we're there for each other and that everyone's in a good mental spot. So. Yeah. Mental health is very important and it yeah. gets, it gets overlooked a lot. Yeah, no, I mean, I've, you know, I, I definitely between, you know, I've struggled with a little bit and, you know, I, I know that there's so many people that do struggle with it. And, you know, I just, I do think it's important to make sure to check up on each other and make sure everything's okay. Because if there's, you know, a moment where someone's just not feeling it, you know, you don't want to push them, you know, or be that person that, you know, overwhelms them. And so it's just, I, I always want to make sure that they're, you know, in a good mental spot to be able to create music and be in a positive atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also important that you guys have that open line of communication and that everybody knows that, hey, my, I just got some bad news. I need a minute that you guys are willing to talk to each other and kind of let each other know that you're there for each other. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I know it's what I'd want someone to do for me. And, you know, I kind of try and live by the philosophy of, you know, it's however I want it, would want to be treated and respected. You know, I usually try and apply that to other people. And so, you know, I, you know, I try to high, have high standards in that department because I just, you know, if I'm going to have people on board with the music, on, you know, with the music I'm trying to create, you know, the least I can do is try and make sure that, you know, they're doing okay. Yeah, exactly. And especially with musicians, just from kind of an outsider looking in, because I don't play music, I, mm -hmm. I probably couldn't carry a tune if I wanted to. <laughs> um, but just seeing how emotionally open they make themselves on a nightly basis. And then if for whatever reason, they go out there and then that specific song hits them especially hard that night. And then yeah. they come off stage and don't have anybody to talk to about it. You know, that that's how bad things start to roll downhill because they uh they don't have anybody to talk to and they need they're trying to make themselves feel better, so they turn to substances and then that's a whole whole thing in and of itself. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's you know, I mean I think I think everyone at the end of the day struggles with their own personal, you know, demons and you know, I think it's, you know, that's why I try to establish a, a clear line of communication just because, you know, I, I don't want, you know, someone to feel they can't, they can't just, you know, come up to me and just tell me like, or even if the, if, even if it's just as simple as look, I'm just not, I'm not feeling it. You know, I'm just, I'm not in a good spot. There's not even a reason. I'm just not feeling it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that that's fine. You know, it's just, I just want as long as you're honest and then there's established line of communication, you don't even have to tell me what, you know, what exactly the specifics are, because I know with some of my friends, sometimes they'll just be like, look, I just don't want to talk about it. I just, I'm not feeling it. I'm not good. And it's like, okay, you know, I'll give you your space. And so, I mean, and when you're talking about, you know, performing songs on stage, you know, I definitely can relate to that. Um, one of my songs that I wrote for the album is uh, actually about my uh, father who passed away in 2011. And so every time I perform that song, you know, I kind of, sometimes I feel like I kind of mentally prepare myself for playing it, <laughs> you know, just cause I'm like, okay, I can't, you know, you know, can't have like a full mental breakdown while playing this song. And so, you know, I kind of catch myself trying to just take a deep breath and then play it, but I definitely, when it comes to that song, that's really the one that I can definitely relate to the most for yeah. after, you know, stepping up on stage and being like, man, yeah, um, <laughs> that's definitely a memory that's a hard one. So I, I definitely can relate to that. Yep. Understood completely. Um, what, or how long have you, how long ago was it that you came from Paris or how long did you stay in Paris? So I was born um, there in 1993, and I went to school there and uh, moved to Nashville 
in 2010 to go to Belmont University. Okay. I, um, okay, to, so you, you moved straight from Paris to Nashville. In, yeah, I moved okay. straight from there. And um, the only other times I would come to the States would be to visit family in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes for Christmas or, you know, sometimes during the summer. And uh, as I got older, I went to a couple music camps at uh, Berkeley College of Music and then uh, went to Pepperdine University to do this film camp. And so, you know, I had come to the States before, Mm -hmm. but this is definitely the longest that I've stayed in the States. The longest before that uh, was three months. Okay. this is definitely the longest period of time I've stayed in the States for sure. Nice. Um, and what, cause you were playing music when you were still living in Paris, how are the music scenes different between Paris and we'll just say Nashville? Okay. Well, I mean, I definitely think that uh, one way that they are similar is that, you know, I don't think rock is the like most popular genre of music. I think they're both similar in that way. There's definitely is a scene and there's definitely people that play rock, but I don't think it's like the number one music genre that, you know, comes out or that, you know, people are, you know, are looking for. I know that definitely in France, when it comes to rock, if it's like more popular, most of the time it'll be more on the poppy rock kind Mm -hmm. of side of things, you know, and, you know, in Nashville, I've definitely found um, a group of people that are in the rock scene, you know, and you have your Murfreesboro crowd with the punk rock scene. And, you know, so I do think they're similar in that way, in the sense that there is a scene, but I think it's still, you know, I know at least Nashville is still growing and trying to build a bigger community. And there is like a big community already, but I think it's, you know, we're still still getting there yeah. <laughs> you know i think like the general if, you know the general population doesn't think of nashville as like the you know a rock and like a rock and roll city you know right now but you know I, hopefully it can get to that point but i mean i know that they kind of remind me of each other in that way um but you know i was really lucky in when i grew up there that i met people that were in that rock industry and you know like i spoke about my uh friend Loic, um, he has a band called Loading Data, and uh, they're kind of like this desert rock grunge band, and so, you know, I kind of, because of him, I was able to meet, you know, people in the rock community, and it was like the underground scene, <laughs> you know, yeah. and so, you know, they're definitely similar in that way. Um, I think for difference, you know, I do think that I was able, it was a lot easier to find people musically and I mean I guess it makes sense because Nashville is just literally a, just a booming city of just musicians and so you know it's really easy to find people I think in Paris you can find them but I think it's not as um like I said for especially for the rock community it was a little harder for me to find uh people there and um and so and I definitely think that um you know I I think they're both, you know, incredible communities when it comes to the music industry, for sure. And um, I definitely think that, and especially hearing from my friends in Paris being in the rock industry, I think it's, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, they work hard to be able to get to where they're at, but it's definitely worth it. Yep, exactly. But what's kind of interesting about rock music today is you were mentioning that um that like specifically in nashville and in paris that it's not like very prominent but i have noticed that like traditional rock music is becoming a little bit more prominent because it's able to stand out from everything else yeah because every music scene you go to they have their death metal bands yeah you know (laughs) it's like like death metal bands are everywhere or you have the country singers or you have the solo acoustic singers mm-hmm. and then you have this one lone rock band and if they're any good you know they're gonna stand out yeah because sure. they're not blowing everybody's brains out with 
loud uh, percussion and heavy shred, you know, just like heavy metal music. And they're just kind of over there doing their rock thing. I mean, I've seen a couple of different scenes where uh, this one rock or where a single rock band would start scooping up all the like bigger gigs because they're so different than anything else. And I'm sure it that's a pretty consistent theme as well across the board. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely. I mean, like I've said before with my friend uh, back at home, you know, he definitely was able to do that, at least for, you know, in France. And, you know, he'd build a community in South America, too, just because in France, it wasn't as, um, you know, since, you know, Desert Rock, Stone Rock wasn't, you know, like the number one thing, he definitely was able to scoop a huge part of the community to be on board with them because they're like, oh, man, this is different. Like, we don't, have this as much over here and so I definitely agree with that you know and I definitely can see that here too you know with you know certain aspects where you'll see you know you'll you'll see this rock band that pops out and you're like man like you know I know that they only have you know a couple fans right now but I, I can definitely tell you that's going to change in a couple months for sure you know I mean you could definitely spot those bands just <laughs> you know in the crowd and you're like yeah they're definitely gonna they're definitely gonna make it for sure so absolutely absolutely um so you have a couple of uh or you have a album that did you just release this album or has it been out for a little bit the um uh so i released it back in december on uh okay. december 13th so it's been, I think, yeah, it's been almost three months since it's been out. And so okay. just been trying to kind of just promote it and, you know, try and just share it with everyone. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, like I said, you know, my, my main goal is to be able to just share and, you know, meet other people and have them share and just mm -hmm. kind of, <laughs> yep. kind of just hear everyone out. So. Gotcha. And it's, uh, so it's fa still fairly new. Like, I mean, three months yeah, roughly three months. Um, yeah. One thing I will say, kudos to you for releasing it on vinyl. Thank you. <laughs> I, you know, it that it, it's an expensive thing to do, but yeah. I think it, that's something that we're going to start seeing more of. So I think you're ahead of the curve on that one. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I definitely wanted to be able to uh, do vinyl. And uh, one of the things that was um speaking of you know flashbacks and kind of, of seeing things i know in nashville they've been bringing back cassettes too yeah. and so <laughs> it's just it's crazy to just kind of see that and i remember you know just growing up as a kid just having my cassette player and thinking oh man these are coming back yep. so you know i definitely want to you know i i definitely want to at least released in um a, a, a vinyl and yeah. uh we um kind of made the decision to release it as a colored vinyl too and oh, said nice. um very proud about yeah. that it was my favorite color purple so oh, well. <laughs> <Nice. worked> <laughs> now i like i mean i definitely think there are people out there that are strictly listening to music on vinyl but i don't think i think ultimately vinyl is just going to be one of those things that becomes like collector's items mm -hmm. so like i i don't know why I've come to that conclusion, but, you know, I'm really old school in the fact that I like to have something tangible. Mm -hmm. like when I pay money to buy something, I want something tangible in return. Mm -hmm. And the vinyl gives me that, but I'd also like to listen to my music through my phone or whatever. So, you know, I definitely think the vinyl is a good idea because I do have a record player. I do listen through vinyl, mm -hmm. but I think it's going to become more of a collector's item aspect of the music industry, which isn't a bad thing. Like they're still paying for it, you know? Yeah. But, um, that, that's just why I'm kind of getting back on the vinyl train because I see it more as a collector's item and a sign of, Hey, this band is serious because they're willing to put all this money into producing vinyl records. Cause vinyl still isn't cheap to produce. Yeah, it's, hey. CDs are definitely cheaper on yeah. that aspect. Yeah, I feel you but there. It's funny that you said, because I hadn't heard that about Nashville, that people are starting to bring back cassettes. Mm -hmm. 
at about, oh, when was this? About three and a half years ago, we had just started doing live and amplified. Mm -hmm. I was at the show in Roswell, New Mexico. I lived in New Mexico for about four years. Oh, cool. Yeah. And there was this band that came to a local coffee shop, and it was a group of girls. They were one band, but then if you talk to each of them individually, they were like their own separate act. Like, so some of them were solo acts, and then mm -hmm. some of them they had like a three piece. So it was an interesting dynamic. So basically, they'd set up this whole show just using their original five piece lineup. Right. And I was talking to one of them and I really wanted to support her music because I thought it was really good. Like out of the five, this one girl was really good. And I was like, Hey, what, like, what do you have music wise? I want to buy either album, buy like whatever you got. And she's like, Oh, I've got the C I've got the normal CDs. I've even got vinyl. But the new thing that we're doing is the cassette. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> what you like, like, I mean, at least vinyl has its own like sound. Because mm -hmm. to me, that's just more nostalgic than anything. Because I remember back in the day, sitting in my bedroom making the mixtapes and all that stuff. Like, you know. But other than that, it just doesn't connect to me in that way. But if mm -hmm. people are bringing it back, it's like okay, you know. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's a nostalgia factor for sure for the cassettes because, especially, I mean, you know, I remember like I said, having my cassette player, you know, for, you know, just, and bringing it with me with just like the big, like clunk <laughs> cassette player, you know, and so, I mean, I definitely think it's a nostalgia thing, and, you know, I mean, I know that a lot of people um, in Nashville, and I even seen some artists in Atlanta, you know, bring that back, and um, when it comes to the vinyl, I definitely agree that um, I think it is going to end up becoming more of a uh, collector's item because even I mean I even remember when I was growing up and my mom was showing me her vinyls and certain mm -hmm. things where I was like man I don't think you can even still find this and you know it just kind of feels like it's like a collection and it's just you know it's there's certain vinyls where you know I was just thinking I don't th I think it would take a lot of research and a lot of time to find this and I think at the time when she was buying them you know she wasn't thinking about that she was just buying it because she you liked know, the she band. Liked yeah, exactly. She liked the band and she she loved, you know, and she wanted to have it. She wanted to support it. But I don't think she thought that later on people would be freaking out and be like, oh, man, you have that record? Like, that's yeah. the one? I've yeah. been trying to find that for forever. And she's like, oh, yeah, I, I bought it when I was a, a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> Just like they freak out. So yeah. I definitely agree with that. No, it's, it's funny you brought that up because uh, I was having a conversation with my mom of, uh, I, within the last year or so and I was telling her about all the how much vinyl was going for and just like even not even like original pressings like reprints yeah and stuff like that and she's like dang now I feel bad because you remember it, she she had pointed out this uh garage sale that we had had back like 20 years ago and for whatever yeah. reason I remember it and she was like yeah, about 20 years ago, this guy came into into this garage sale we were having and asked if we had any vinyl that he wanted to buy it. And I sold my entire collection for 80 bucks. And oh, I'm like, man. <laughs> it, it, she had like, like the, the, her, um, 35s didn't have any sleeves. It was just like on this little spindle thing. Yeah. But the, or no 45s and then the 35s were in sleeves and um she was telling me what she had and I was just sitting there as she was listing off this long list of like the Beatles Led Zeppelin you know just like all these bands with all these like classic albums uh -huh. and it starts listening listing all this stuff off I'm banging my head against the wall I'm like <laughs> there goes $400 there goes yeah know, <laughs> Like I mean, yeah, I mean, some of those records like go for like a couple hundred, and I mean, I just even going on, you know, certain places like eBay or some certain people will like sell vinyls. I've seen, I mean, I've seen some people try and sell some vinyls for like a thousand dollars just because mm -hmm. with how. So I mean, I I, 
I could probably, I mean, I could just picture it in my mind, just thinking, like, you hearing that, and like, oh, man, like, that. yep. <laughs> like that's crazy. Pretty much. And then, um, like, actually, what got me back into vinyl, or, well, I mean, just seeing all the independent acts starting to produce vinyl, I was like, you know what, let me see, let me look into it and see what I can, like, just start digging up, because I had, I had a record player as a kid. But it was it it barely worked because it was already thirty years old in the early nineties, mm-hmm. um, and so I had I had experimented with vinyl a little bit when I was younger, and then about th- two years ago I went on eBay and I just typed in vinyl, and there was all these people that were selling just like lots of uh 45 so you could pay for like 10 bucks you just get this lot of like of 25 or 30 45s mm-hmm. and they they email or mail it to you and i found like i found some really good stuff for 10 bucks and <laughs> like some al green uh Man. like prince you know just like the, some of the most obscure random stuff now a lot of it was like trash like don't get me wrong like (laughs) I was definitely gambling like I got yeah some real trash in there but you know and some of the albums were scratched you know it is what it is but you know just some of the gems that I was able to pull out of there it was like oh wow that's amazing yeah I mean I think I think when it comes to that you know you're always you know taking a gamble when it's like a hey, pay this amount of money for, you know, this, but, like, we're not going to tell you the specifics, and so, you know, I definitely think, but, I mean, I, I I do love that, because, you know, it's, you know, I don't think, I mean, you wouldn't have found those gems if you hadn't, you know, gone in and been like, all right, here you go, 10 bucks, let's see what I can get, you know, and especially, you know, you talk about that Prince album, and all that where I'm thinking, man, you know, I've definitely seen Prince uh, vinyls like sell for like 35, 40 bucks, you know, you know, just even, or even like walking through uh, certain bookstores and seeing them sell like for between like 35 and sometimes like a hundred dollars per vinyl, you know, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. But what I have found recently, if you go to like a thrift store or not, or like an antique shop, Mm -hmm. if it's a really hip one, they'll have, vinyl there and if the guy doesn't know what he has sometimes you can find a real steal yeah <laughs> like the what am i looking oh when i i went when i was living in florida uh last year and my friends and i went to this store and we found a th- this is really random a dmx radio advance album <laughs> yeah and i was like you know what I know who DMX is. I'm not like I've like maybe one or two of his songs, but the fact that this is a radio advance, you know, that's kind of yeah. cool. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think there's definitely those little. I mean, I've I've definitely have found you know just I, Nashville does have a lot of you know record shops and you know just sometimes you'll just find just like the craziest stuff just even just hidden in the back or you know maybe in the pile where it's like oh 99 cents each you know but then you find something that you're like oh man like this I can't believe this is <laughs> this is like here you know yeah. and so you definitely find some some crazy stuff for sure yep absolutely um but let's focus back in on your album it's called sharp words correct yeah sharp words and w- what was kind of the process when you were getting ready to put that album together, did you write specifically for it or did you have a bunch of songs that you just kind of pulled from? So basically I, um, you know, I just, uh, at the time I, I was in a band and that, it, that didn't end up working out. And so I was kind of starting to just write more songs and I, um, I was trying to think of, you know, what was going to be the next step, you know, what am I going to do? Do I, you know, cause I've, I always really wanted to be like in a band, you know? Yeah. And so I was like, you know, maybe it's the band thing not working. Do I need to, you know, go do my own stuff and like maybe find people, you know? And so I just, I was trying to figure out that process, you know, and then 
I got incredibly uh, lucky to be able to get in contact with my producer, Alan, and, you know, he was saying like, you know, just send me, you know, what you have, you know, songs that you've recorded before and, you know, songs that you've written. And so we kind of, I sent him, I think about 20 different songs that I had written and, you know, just recorded in my little uh, home studio. And um, afterwards just kind of talked about like, okay, you know, what songs do you think, you know, you'd want to put in an album and, you know, like I said, I got incredibly lucky because he had an opening to uh, be able to have me record the album. And so we picked uh, eight songs at the time. And then I flew out to Los Angeles and, you know, we kind of looked over the songs and it was mostly just the two of us uh, recording. I was doing uh, the vocals and rhythm guitars and, you know, he was doing lead guitars and, you know, just so many different instruments. I mean, he's really, you know, one of his instruments that he loves to play is cigar box. And, you know, we just, he played so many instruments. And then we had this guy, uh, Dill Williams, come on to play drums. And so it was a two to three man operation <laughs> to, to record that. And we um, did it about, we uh, recorded for uh, nine days. And then one thing that I really enjoyed watching him do was, you know, just while we were recording, he was, you know, mixing and recording, you know, at this, like, he was, like, like the whole process went so incredibly quickly, and yeah. it's just, I think also, too, just working in that kind of atmosphere, because the studio he has was just so, just, I mean, it was just surrounded by instruments, and just, you, it definitely one of those places that, you, you know, when the minute you walk in, you're like, okay, this is definitely, there's been definitely some music and, you know, just creative outlets and just, you know, it's just that kind of place, you know, <laughs> where you just, you know, that you, there's going to, there's going to be things happening. And um, originally we're, we were only going to record eight and they're just like, well, you know, we could probably record a ninth one. And so, um, you know, play, I played a song, another song that I had written recently um, that uh, was playing on one of his acoustics. And he was like, well, you know, let's add that. And then like that could be a full, you know, length album. And so um, ended up recording that one, which the ninth one uh, ended up being called Mesmer and uh, was the last one on the album. And it was funny because it kind of felt at the time that there wasn't a, a song that was like a good closer to the album, if that makes any sense. And it kind of just kind of felt like destiny in a way that that one uh, happened to show up at the time that it did and to kind of put it as the, the last song on the album. But. Yeah. No, that's wonderful. Um, when you guys were recording, was it, did you guys try and do it more live or did you track each instrument individually? What was kind of that process? So, like I said, for the majority of it, it was a two-man operation, you know, it was Alan and I, and uh, basically the whole process of it was that, um, you know, we would, we, the first day, you know, we met together and, you know, just kind of sat down, and, you know, talked about, you know, the songs and, you know, what I wanted to accomplish with it, you know, and then we talked about what, you know, the next nine to ten days were going to be like. And um, then the next day we, um, I remember the first song we recorded was this song called N, which is the only French one I have on the album. And uh, basically the way we kind of did it was that we laid down uh, the acoustic guitar or, you know, for other songs, you know, electric guitar. And then afterwards we put, you know, scratch vocals on it, you know, just with like a live microphone in uh, his studio and then so to just kind of have like a bass for the song and then um afterwards you know alan he would add some bass or he had uh electric guitar sometimes would add some ebo to the electric guitar and um then for other songs you know he'd add cigar box and then dill the drummer actually came in a little he came in later and um some of the guitars that he recorded on 
were either the ones that we're going to keep or, you know, just the, just kind of like a <laughs> bass track for them to be able to play to. But there was one song that we actually um, played together, uh, the Mr. Terror one, which was the only one we actually didn't play to a click. Mm -hmm. And um, we were originally going to, but then there was like different time signatures in it. And I remember Dill just being like, let's just, why don't we just play it live <laughs> and just yeah. you know, to see what happens. And so it was just me with an electric guitar and a microphone and then him with the drums. And so we recorded it live. And, you know, I do remember having an incredible time doing that. And it just, you know, it kind of, you know, it definitely put me in that mindset of like, oh man, I can't wait to play these songs live, you know? And so I, um, and that was the only one that was like a live-ish, I guess, because it didn't have all the instruments. But, um, you know, I, I, after that, you know, I did like add on electric guitars, you know, just to kind of add layers. And, um, you know, so, I mean, that was kind of the idea. We kind of just, that's why, you know, it was about a nine to 10 day process because, you know, most, mostly it was just Alan and I just adding stuff for me being, you know, electric rhythm, guitar and vocals. And then, you know, Alan would add bass and, you know, just layer upon layer, you know, I mean, there were like bell sounds too that we'd add. Um, one technique he taught me was, he was saying like, you know, if ever you want to have some kind of like string orchestra type of sound, but don't have the budget <laughs> to do one because it is pretty expensive is that, you know, you kind of take, you can buy those brushes and um, I think it was just like a, um, a gas station, you know, just kind of like a bristle brush or whatever. And you kind of just play really fast on the guitar itself while you're just uh, making chord shapes with your left hand. And it's crazy because it actually makes it sound like multiple just like violins or string quartets, just like playing incredibly fast. And so, and that's what we did with the song uh, N, the French one, is mm -hmm. when you start listening at the beginning of the song and, and you hear like just kind of, it sounds like just far away in the distance violins just playing. And it's really, <laughs> I don't know how he figured it out, you know, but I mean, you know, at the same time, he is that kind of person where he just, I mean, when I was, when I, I wasn't kidding when I said that his studio was just, was, had so many different instruments from so many different places. And he's, he's definitely one of those guys that I have an, an incredible amount of respect for. And I mean, he's, that, he's one of those guys that he's like, oh, okay, you want, you want a trumpet and trumpet on there? All right, let me just pick it up. And then he'll, he'll, <laughs> within 10 minutes, we'll just have it you know, figured out. Yeah, he'll, I mean, he'll figure it out. I mean, he, all the instruments he has in his studio or had in his studio, um, like he could play to a certain extent. I mean, he was just that, he's just that kind of person. He's just that musically incredible. And so, I mean, that's why I feel so incredibly, incredibly, incredibly lucky that I got to be able to work with him because he really he helped me through a tough time where I just I wasn't really sure what direction I was going musically and you know he definitely was my guide uh through that and helped me kind of get out of that confusion and like you know the dust kind of like settled and just you know I I was just like I said just so lucky that I had him as, by my side to help me out and create this album nice um what's are you working towards another album now or are you just kind of um, playing out and promoting the one that you currently have so uh right now i'm currently you know just trying to promote this one um you know it's it's one that i worked you know a long time on and mm -hmm. you know i i do want to give it you know, the amount of attention that I think that it needs to have, you know, and try and promote it as much as I can. I do still write, you know, as <laughs> yeah. you know, that's like a constant process of me just like, you know, I'll just pick up a guitar and just write songs, you know, so whenever the time comes to start recording a new album, you know, I definitely have my set of songs that I kind of have an idea as to what I'm gonna put on next. And I def I, I do know at least that for, you know, if ever, um, whenever I do record the next album, that there's one song that uh, I wrote, the first song that I wrote with my friend uh, Loic, 
back when I was 12 or 13. I know that definitely is going to be on the new album because I just, we always play it live even then and everyone always loves it and they're, you know, they, um, they definitely, I have had people tell me like, you should definitely put that on, a, on an album. And so I know that that one for sure at least will be on the next album. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's, um, we, we've been talking a lot about what you're currently working on and what you see or what you've done in the past. What do you see for yourself in the future? Where do you ultimately want to take your music? So uh, the goal is, you know, I'm, I have been playing around in Nashville and, you know, booking gigs in Nashville and Murfreesboro. And um, the goal is to kind of try and, you know, just do like many tours here and there. And um, I'm actually uh, flying out to Los Angeles in April to play a gig in Los Angeles. So, you know, trying to get, um, go, we're going to Palm Springs area, <laughs> so, oh, nice. to the desert. So definitely love that area. I mean, the album cover itself is in the desert. So, I mean, that's pretty much my element there. And um, so going out there and then, you know, have been receiving messages about people asking about, you know, whether I'm pl trying to plan some shows or gigs in Europe, you know, and I definitely want to plan some, um, at least in France and in the UK, because um, one, France, because I'm originally from there, and I do have mm -hmm. a French song, and I do want to, you know, go do that, and then the UK, because I've had some people ask, and, you know, so that kind of started, had, I, I've kind of been working on whether, um, you know, I'm gonna be touring in Europe either by the end of this year or next year, you know, it's obviously it takes a minute to plan those things out, but, you know, it, the goal is to definitely have it um, at least by the end of this year or um, next year to go out there for maybe like a week or two and just kind of travel around Europe and, you know, promote the album. Awesome, that's really, that's really cool. I've seen a lot of, or been, and since I've started paying attention more closely to the independent music scene in general, there's a, there's a huge market for doing European tours. It's really interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, you know, I definitely seeing it from growing up over there, you know, it's, I do think that you know, sometimes it can be like a, sometimes in certain aspects, it can be a harder market to break into sometimes just because I do know that fans over there, once they're committed to a band, like it's a, it's a lifetime. <laughs> it's like a yeah. lifetime, like we're supporting you till you die type of <laughs> situation. Yep. You know, it's a, it's, they're pretty, you know, they're, they're, they are very, very um, supportive in that way. So I know that once you're able to get through to people over there, it's, it's definitely, I mean, I mean, I'm, I always tell people like, if you, you can get people in Europe to like to get behind you, like you, <laughs> yeah. you you're very lucky because they, yeah. they're very supportive over there. Yeah. It's uh cause I was having this conversation with somebody a while back about the interesting cross section of music because you got people over in Europe, that see it as, oh, if you can make it over in America, you've made it. And then you've got people in America that go over to Europe and they say, oh, if you can make it in Europe, you've made it. And so yeah. it's just kind of like this interesting thing. And I see it from both sides because, you know, Americans, they'll go over to Europe and it's, oh, well, this is where the Beatles came from. This is where the Who came from. This is where they came, you know, just all, yeah. and they rattle off all these bands. And then people from the UK or Europe in general, they do the exact same thing. So it's just kind of like, I guess it's that old adage, the grass always seems greener on the other side. Yeah, pretty. I mean, I, I think definitely from seeing it from, you know, both perspectives from like living, because I remember when I was growing up in Europe, you know, in France, I remember you know, talking to my friends being like, man, I can't wait to, you know, go to the States and try and you know, promote certain, you know, you know, try and like, cause like, you know, there's more opportunity, I think for the rock scene over there, you know, and then after living here for 10 years, I'm like, you know, I'm, I am grateful that I, I moved here and there, there was, there's definitely opportunity here. And, uh, but I definitely see it 
from the other perspective too, because, you know, I, I, now that I'm thinking about doing touring in Europe, you know, it definitely is like, yeah, I definitely see where the opportunity is there. And so I definitely think you're right with the grass is always greener on the other side. Cause I think you have to be on literally on the other side to kind of realize like, Oh yeah. So these are the good things on this side and these are the good things on that one. And so I do think they both have a lot to offer just in different ways. And so I think it's just kind of, looking into it and seeing like what exactly from the states or from europe you know is going to be helpful to you yep exactly and you know was um moving to america something that you always knew you were going to do or uh i i think that i i I think i definitely knew that i was going to move to the states at some point you know when i was growing up just because you know, I was trying to do rock music, and like I said, you know, my friend who's in a band over there, he got lucky because, you know, his genre of music was, like, such, like, a specific, you know, like, specific, like, type of genre in in the rock scene, you know, and, you know, kind of, like, in the vein of, like, Queens of Stone Age, you know, kind of, like, that Joshua Tree area, which you wouldn't get a lot of in France, and so, you know, that's kind of like what I grew up with, but I I did see, you know, through the eyes of my friends who were in the music industry, like, you know, certain struggles and certain things where, you know, they talk about like, you know, they do want to move to the States at some point. And so, you know, in my mind, I was like, okay, well, I know that, you know, if I end up going to college in the States, you know, that'll be my opportunity to kind of check it out and see, you know, if, this will be the place for me or you know if i'd want to go back to europe you know and i think i've kind of come to the conclusion that if i could get to the point where i can try and do 50 50 <laughs> that would be great i know it's like it's like so much money but you know it's yeah. you know that's that's kind of the goal i think at the end of the day but i think at the time though i thought i was going to move to los angeles i don't okay. i hadn't thought about nashville until i came to visit Nashville and uh, back in uh, 2008 and um, I think you know just the city kind of drew me in mm-hmm. and so that's why I decided to come here and live here and so you know, now I'm kind of working on trying to you know jump around between like you know Nashville and LA and Europe and yep. you know, just try and like kind of live that lifestyle that I guess like every musician kind of wants to live you know yeah exactly and it's probably a good thing you didn't go to LA because that's a just a tough city to be in it'll chew you up and spit you out if you're not ready for it but I also think Nashville can be like that if you get caught up in everything that Nashville has to offer Mm -hmm. but I think Nashville to contradict myself a little bit I think also Nashville has that nice base of people that are actually from Nashville and they have a nice community base that's there to help and support you. Whereas I don't think LA has that. Well, I think, you know, I will say this about LA. I mean, especially with, you know, my producer and, you know, some of his group of friends and, you know, that kind of community, I think, you know, I think, the community, I think there is that group of people. I think it just happens to be harder to find over oh. there because I think it's just there's, I think it's just since LA has like had more time to have that, like those layers just build up. I feel mm-hmm. that you have those original people that have lived there that just kind of like gone in retreat, just like how some people that originally are from Nashville have decided to move literally out of Nashville and go more on like the outer parts you know and so I think I think you know with Nashville you know I think there there is that I do think with LA there is that I just think that maybe in LA like sometimes it can be really I think it's definitely harder to find your people and find you know the community or like the original like OGs I guess up there you know just where it's just there's not all the drama and everything but I definitely I definitely do think that if you look hard enough and to, you know, you'll be able to find, I mean, and I got lucky to, to find that, you know, I think, and it probably had to do with the fact that, you know, my mom grew up in Los Angeles and was born and raised there. And so she already, you know, she had built her, 
her base, you know, so even when she moved to France and lived there for 25 years, you know, she still had her home base in Los mm -hmm. Angeles, and, you know, and she's over there. So, I mean, it's cool to see Los Angeles from her perspective, you know, from, you know, being born over there and raised and, you know, just, um, I definitely, I mean, I, I do love both communities a lot and I think they, they both have a lot to offer, but I, I definitely do agree and, and see what you mean with the whole national thing. Cause I, I think that's why I moved here because at the time it was, I was able to meet those original like Nashville people a lot easier than um, when I would go out to LA. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly what I was getting at. So you hit it on the head there. <laughs> um, what, what's um we're gonna start kind of wrapping everything up just because i don't want to keep you all day i know you got a show coming up this afternoon for the it's for specifically for the tornado victims correct yeah so it's at the borough barn grill and uh it's to raise money to help those guys out and they're also taking you know goods in so like in you know, any canned foods or you know just anything like that so you know i mean you know, if you can make it out, just, you know, just make, to even just support mm -hmm. or, you know, the national community or anything, you know, that's really what's important at the end of the day at this point to make sure that everyone kind of gets the resources that they can get to be able to help the people that really need help right now. Yeah, very true. Um, and then we, you kind of mentioned, uh, what what's the rest of your um, month? and moving forward show-wise looking like? So, uh, let's see. So I um, have the show this afternoon, and then I have a show on the 26th at a Media Rerun in Murfreesboro. Then on the 28th, uh, there's a 100 Songs, 100 Artists show that's going on at Twin Cakes 2. And... Um, I also have um, another podcast that I'm going to be going on. Um, I think on, it's on March 19th. But I don't think it's going to be released till later. And then, um, like I said, later on in April, I have a show at Palm Springs that's going to be a benefit show to help raise money for uh, shelters. Oh, awesome. Like homeless shelters or pet shelters? Pet shelters. Oh, nice. um, it's a company called Diamond Dogs and they, you know, help, help in that way, you know, and that's, that's another thing that I'm, I'm very passionate about. So my, my, uh, my, um, Cocker Spaniel is actually from a, uh, shelter from Lancaster, California in the middle of the desert, you know, out of the middle of nowhere. So, you know, it's definitely, uh, you know, just something I'm really passionate about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, something that I've been looking into myself, I just can't seem to pull the trigger because I don't want to get, I don't want to get a dog and then be, and not be here for it and to be able yeah. to give it the, you know, cause I'm on the road, like just being on the road as much as I am, it's kind of hard. Yeah. I, I mean, know. I definitely, there's, I think there's that line of like, you know, I want to help out, but I also want to, you know, be able to give the attention and need, mm -hmm. need that this this dog needs, you know, and I mean, I know that, I know I have some friends of mine that, you know, they'll be on the road that, you know, sometimes they'll even just like foster for just two days, just to yeah. be like, hey, can you just hold on to this dog for two days until this, you know, the person that's going to adopt them can be there to pick them up, you know, and so, um, I, I definitely would love to foster more if I could, but my apartment complex has a limit of two dogs. <laughs> so I already have that. And so unfortunately I can't help in that way, but I definitely wanted to try and help raise some money um, yep. at least for that event. Yep. I will say though, Texas is making it really hard. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to keep passing on picking up a dog because especially yeah. where I'm at in central Texas, yeah um strays are a huge issue so like mm -hmm. every couple of weeks we get because i work for a tv station here in town mm -hmm. and every couple of weeks we get alerts saying hey can you guys help push this promo that we're doing for free pet adoptions because we're at capacity and we just got 36 new dogs in and we're gonna have to put some of them to sleep if we don't get them adopted here in the next couple yeah. of days and it's like man 
I want to help, but I know in the end, are they really going to be happier by just sitting in my apartment all day by themselves? Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I definitely do agree. I think it's, you know, it's that it's trying to figure out like, okay, what would be, you know, what, what is the best thing I can do? And it may, I don't think, you know, I don't think there's any shame in, in like, you know, saying that, you know, I think that, you know, sometimes some people will be like, well, how could you like, you know, not help out? And it's just like, well, you know, you also have to think about the animal and like, you know, is the animal going to be happy, you know, in the environment that it's going to be in? And can I really be the one helping them, you know, yep. instead of trying to figure out, you know, what is the right thing for the animal in that scenario? So, you know, I definitely, you know, I mean, I applaud you for, you know, be able to recognize that, but, you know, I definitely know the struggle of <laughs> wanting to help out and be like, man, I really wish I could help out, but I, I have two dogs yep. and I, like, I will definitely get in trouble if I bring more animals in this apartment. So I definitely feel that. Yep, exactly. Um, and then where can people find you online to support you, listen to your music um, for upcoming shows and all that stuff? So uh, I have a website called AureliaMusic.com. I also have a Facebook. You can find me at Aurelia Langford Music. And I also have a Twitter, Aurelia Langford. Um, you can also find me on Spotify, Deezer, Apple Music, Amazon Music, YouTube, um, <laughs> pretty much any uh, musical outlet you can think of. If you just look up on um, Spotify, um, Aurelia Sharp Words, you'll be able to find the album on there. Awesome. Awesome. Perfect. Thank you once again so much for giving me the time to sit down and chat with you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Uh, this has been uh, really incredible. And I mean, what a variety of, of topics, yeah. you know, for sure. <laughs> it, it was uh, interesting how they all came up, but you know what? I'm not afraid to just let the conversation go where it goes yeah know? for sure awesome um but yeah thank you again so much for giving me your time and thank you to yeah. everyone for uh tuning in and we will see you all later